0: I'm Chalanga. I'm Dylan. And this is the C&D NBA show. We are recording on a Wednesday night after a Timberwolves loss to the Toronto Raptors.
1: <clears throat> Wait, not 1- the Toronto 30- Raptors
0: this time. What the hell? We no. beat the, <laughs> the Toronto Raptors. After a Timberwolves loss to the Indiana Pacers, 134-128 to in overtime. Dylan, this is something that we've been waiting for for a long time. It was Jaden McDaniel's first start. And it was worth the wait. Um, He had a good game. He had 11 points, three blocks, four rebounds, three of six from three-point land. He hit some non-corner threes today, which was beautiful to see. Offensively, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got no game inside of the three-point arc.
1: No touch. He has absolutely no touch anything within 20 feet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And his dribble is is rough. You know, I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or, like, he his dribble is just really that bad. I mean, we haven't really seen him try to use his dribble to penetrate it all. So it's really a mystery. Um, he had some nice passes, though. You know, I think, I think he's got a lot of good instincts and a lot of good skills. He's just still figuring it out. Um, I, for one, am... Oh, still
1: i feel so much more confident with him on the court than jared vanderbilt and it's not because jared vanderbilt doesn't provide something for you offensively but the upside that jared vanderbilt provides is similar to carl's upside and so it overlaps there whereas jaden mcdaniel's can sit on a different spot of the court and not get in carl anthony town's way so that's
0: yeah my you hope know for I, I think i think offensively jaden Next to Towns makes a lot more sense, but defensively, he's just a little small to go up against the big guys, especially, like, uh, against the Pacers if they're playing Sabonis and Turner. And Jared Vanderbilt is a freak on the glass. He is such a a gifted rebounder.
1: Well, he's good at getting the crazy rebounds. I don't know if he's, like, he's not the most fundamental rebounder (laughs) in the world, but... I wouldn't also say that Jared Vanderbilt is not too small to play against Indiana. I mean, he was getting destroyed by miles Turner in the paint. He was getting destroyed by Sabonis. And so like, is there really anyone on our team that wouldn't get destroyed by the, this Pacers front court?
0: Not even. Um, No. And like Jaden McDaniels did have a lot of help, help side blocks and a lot of recovery, uh, like recovery contests and, so I, I like, I totally, I, I get your point there. I just, I appreciate the patience that the Wolves team has shown with uh, bringing Jaden into the fold, you know, um, because he, he's, he certainly isn't ready to be like a starting caliber NBA player, but you can start to see like where he will fit and and how he will look as a starter. I mean, he's a starting caliber NBA player on the 30th best team in the league. Yeah, on the Wolves, that's not saying much. That's a, that's a good point, since Jared Vanderbilt has started most of the games. <laughs> what did you think of the final play of regula- uh, regulation, putting the ball in Anthony Edwards' hands to take a three-pointer?
1: Well, it looked like they were giving Cat the opportunity to make a read, and then he passed the ball off to Anthony, and I- I'm sure that that was a secondary option. Uh at face value, if I actually want to win games this year, I don't want the ball in Anthony Edwards hands, especially if he's zero for three from deep and he ended up being three for 15 from the field overall. So like, is that the winning play? No, but if that does win you the game, does that instill like a ton of confidence in a young man that we have a lot of stakes in? Of course. And that's what, we probably need more of, and we -hmm. need to give Anthos opportunities because he's got to be able to do that. Eventually, if the Timberwolves ever want to be competitive, Anthony Edwards is either going to have to show out in those ways during the regular season to get his trade value up so that we trade him and get something from it, or he's going to have to lead the Timberwolves because the bottom line is that, and we discussed this off pod. We have never seen, we've seen, we've seen one regular season game where Carl Anthony Towns, kind of sealed the game by himself on offense where it was the Kawhi style, give me the ball, I'll put up the shots, I'll do everything. I'll get to my spot and I'll put this shot up. And that was that one game where he was on the right baseline. I don't remember who it was against. It might've been an overtime, but he hit the game winner. And that's the only game winner that I can think of. That was a couple seasons ago now. But with Anthony Edwards, he already has the ability to find his own shot and we probably need ultimately to put the ball in Anthony Edwards hands because his ideal form which is what we want to create is to be that guy.
0: Right, well it's so much easier to get to create your own shot when you can you know dribble and and create from the perimeter which towns like hasn't hasn't developed to create from the perimeter at, at that level. You know, as much as we want him to be able to he's not quite that player. Um and i'm i'm not sure he ever will be that player. And is he clutch? No, i mean he missed like what his last four threes he took. So, you know, i i think that i think the only time crunch that we have as this Wolves team is a time crunch to see what Edwards can actually be. Because if if towns can look at Anthony Edwards and be like this guy i, I could go places with this guy then there is, like, a, a better chance of Carl staying. And whether or not Carl is, is this, like, generational player or not, he is a star who currently plays in Minnesota, and that is valuable <laughs> to Minnesota, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. One thing I was thinking about was, like, can that work where the best player on the team isn't the player that is scoring in crunch time? And I'm trying to think back at like a all of the best teams in history, and and maybe that's early Shaq Kobe.
0: Uh, I think the Spurs, the Spurs
1: Tim Tim Duncan wasn't running through Tim Duncan because it sure seemed like a lot was running through Tim Duncan in the post, which is in yeah. But you think the, about
0: basically. the the Spurs is the Spurs biggest moments. You think Danny Green. You think Tony Parker. Like it, I think when it came down to like that last shot, it was not. Usually, Tim Duncan. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm. I don't know. I. I would have to go back and more thoroughly. Yeah. Look, I would. You know, I'd like to more thoroughly analyze 9903 and 05 before I said that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh huh. That's something. I mean, maybe we should do a, a poda on that of like we should try to find a, a a comp a team comp for this current wolves collection yeah and... where
1: carl where whatever the big is can be the best player and mm-hmm. where like anthony edwards or or someone else can be the the creator in crunch
0: time that's interesting um the one other piece i wanted to bring up about tonight is anthony edwards there, there's been this narrative about anthony edwards struggling in back-to-backs and so i i i looked at all the back-to-backs on December 27th against the Los Angeles Lakers we lost. Anthony Edwards was 6 of 21, uh 2 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, uh minus 14.
1: Did you say 6 of 21?
0: 6 of 21, yeah.
1: With 2 points? Must have been 12 points. Must have been 12 points.
0: <laughs> yeah. I uh oh yeah, 12 points definitely because <laughs> the Spurs uh on January 10th, he was 0 of 8, 2 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist. But then, uh, in a win against the Pelicans on the 23rd, he was 5 of 14, 18 points, 1 rebound, 1 assist. And then the loss against OKC, he was 8 for 16, 20, 8 and 4. So 50% of the back-to-backs pre- prior to this, he was just fine. So I think that's a little bit overblown. But tonight, he was 3 of 15, points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, um, a, a team low, minus 23. I mean, Ant is
1: just going to be really rough on defense until he figures it out. A lot of those mistakes aren't like, maybe they're not initially Ant's fault. Maybe they're not Ant's fault in the end, even but a lot of these defensive breakdowns can be traced back to at least some point during the play where Anthony Edwards was kind of lost and someone had to make up for it or it led straight to a bucket. Dylan, who led the Timberwolves in plus minus tonight? Josh Okoge led the Timberwolves in plus minus tonight with a plus nine.
0: Damn. I thought I was trying to get you to guess, but I guess you're just looking at the box score.
1: I don't have it up now. That was actually (laughs) off the cuff, but I did look at the box score.
0: Yes, he did. Um, Josh Kogi looks way better on the bench.
1: <laughs> uh, Josh Okogie is like minutes a, six, a game,
0: like a six foot three Jared Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so last thing, Ricky Rubio did have twenty points, thirteen assists tonight. He has looked way better since starting for D'Lo. You know, I, I think the D'Lo fit was tough. And now that he is the point guard, I think he—it's the game is coming a lot easier to him. I, I think he's in better shape than he was at the beginning of the season. And he's back to the Ricky Rubio we know and love, who still struggles offensively and sometimes calls his own number when he should not. But he's not a total dud, and he, it's clear that he does deserve minutes.
1: I think it's kind of getting overblown that this is Ricky Rubio without D'Lo, and this is just how he looks because he's looked terrible without D'Lo before, a couple mm-hmm. times this season. I mean, the bottom line is that Ricky Rubio is just making shots. Like he's actually making his corner threes now, and at the beginning of the season, he was bricking, airballing, doing everything,
0: but he yeah. was not. Well, he still is, He's still bricking, but some of them are are going in. <laughs>
1: All we need is for 30% of them to go in for Ricky Rubio to be a viable player, a viable starter even.
0: Yeah. I mean, really, if it's between 28 and 32%, like at least it's something. And also I think that chemistry is starting to develop with this team too, which is good. Jim Pete was saying that
1: Ricky Rubio was, or he's like, this is vintage Ricky Rubio. I'm like, Ricky Rubio is 30 fucking years old. He should not be out of his prime yet like no. he's not he's not that kind of point guard that's like super athletic like a Derrick Rose or whatever or even like a well I mean Dwayne Wade still had his athleticism till his early 30s but it was just like Ricky Rubio doesn't rely on that stuff so he shouldn't he shouldn't have fallen off a cliff like he has I think part of it is just you know getting used to a new team again being in whatever situation the NBA is in right now is weird without fans mm-hmm. um doing doing tons of back-to-backs, like a super compressed season, not being able to practice with your team, I think Ricky Rubio probably thrives a lot off of, like, getting that experience outside of games. So I I think this whole thing about Ricky Rubio sucking all of a sudden is 100%, 10,000%
0: overblown. Yeah, and we've always believed he would bounce back. It was just going to take him a while. If you want to talk about point guards who don't rely on athleticism, let's talk Chris Paul. I mean, that dude is 35, and he's still, like... Trying to make an all-star team this year. I mean, he's he's great. Yeah. Not that Ricky can, Rubio is Chris Paul, but I, I think that they're they similarly don't rely on their athleticism.
1: Yeah, and I think if Ricky Rubio can shoot in the early thirties or not in the early thirties, in
0: early thirties.
1: But if he can if he can shoot in the low thirties from three then I think he can play till he's 35 just fine and he can contribute to winning for sure. I I'm not worried about that. Yeah,
0: so long as his three-point percentage matches his age, I think that is kind of <laughs> g- gonna be the key. <laughs> it's gonna have to bump up with each year that he's around. Uh, well, Dylan and I talked before this pod, and we realized we spend a lot of time talking about the Timberwolves. Uh we are a Timberwolves podcast, but we're also just an NBA podcast. We like the whole league, we watch a lot of basketball, not just the Timberwolves. Um and so we decided that since the Timberwolves are so bad and it's not always that fun to talk about them when they play a team that we're interested in, we're going to talk about the team and, and kind of check in with where they're at. Um, so tonight we're talking Indiana Pacers. This is a really interesting Pacers team. I mean, like I think so I saw someone tweeted out a picture of the like 20, what 2013 Hawks with Horford and Millsap and Corver and Teague um, and Carroll. And they were like Utah jazz today. But I think the Pacers are kind of a closer comp to that team because like the jazz have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert who are like stars, but the Indiana Pacers have a lot of just like good players, you know, all star.
1: Yeah. Where they could have zero or four all stars. Like the Hawks yeah. had in 2015 or whatever.
0: And like I could I could see this healthy roster with Karis Levert and TJ Warren in the lineup and, and the way that Nate Bjorkren has them playing. I could see them pushing for the top seed in the East. You know, just like just playing good basketball. <laughs> um, not that I think that they could ever make a championship with this core.
1: Yeah, but that Hawks team was a number one seed at least one year. So
0: Yeah, they won 60 games one year, you know. I don't know, I don't know if the the Pacers can do that, but they've I mean they've got nine guys who are good. Eventually it'll be Brogdon, Levert, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. And then off the bench, you got the Holiday Bros. You've got Doug McDermott, you've got Jeremy Lamb who is shooting 50% from three this year. And then we're not even getting it like TJ McConnell is a solid backup. You've got Goga Bitadze, who I think can be really good. Obviously, he's not there yet. Anyway, this team—I like, would
1: not play Goga with the way that Sabonis and Turner are playing. But
0: oh god, no, he doesn't. He there's no room for him in the lineup. But I, I'm interested in him. Is what is what I'll say.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's I guess insurance for them. But I yeah, I love the Indiana Pacers team. They're kind of a defensive version, though, of that Hawks team because the Hawks relied so much on revolutionizing the three-point game
0: with Kyle Korver and well they could like, play five out it was cool they were like doing five out stuff early on right 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 right
1: so but with this Indiana Pacers team they're so much big well actually are they so much bigger but they're a little bit bigger they're definitely considerably bigger and in an era where the league has gotten substantially smaller so uh they're kind of playing like backwards defensive version of what the hawks were back then i guess
0: well it's funny because the hawks were jeff teague who was like six two and maybe and then everyone else was six eight like kyle corver paul Millsap, demari Carroll, al horford are all basically six eight <laughs> and so like the team picture is really funny because it's just like a line of dudes and then jeff teague like hey i'm the little guy um so yeah, they I mean they were small. I mean, you could call that small ball, Al Horford playing center. Definitely
1: um, in 2015, that was small ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the Pacers play pretty big ball. Like even playing TJ Warren at the at the three, Levert at the two, Brogdon at the one. I mean, Brogdon is huge. He's like six five. So it's it's sort of an inverse of, of what the the Hawks were doing. But I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. But Dylan and I were like, okay, this team can never make a finals as constituted, but can we make them better and get them closer to a finals appearance? So we we each came up with a trade, and we're going to see who successfully got them closer to a finals win. Let I, me go. And, let me
1: go first because I got them so much farther away. <laughs> All right, Dylan, go ahead. <laughs> but I tried. Good. <laughs> Okay, so I did a fun little three-way here. The Bulls will be receiving Jeremy Lamb and Karis LeVert. The Cavaliers will be receiving Garrett Temple and DeMonta Sabonis. And the Pacers will receive Kevin Love and Zach Levine. Whoa. So now what's the, what's the Pacers lineup now? So the Pacers starting lineup is completely confusing. So we have Miles Turner at the five, Kevin Love at the four, which kind of which kind of is the the exact same problem that they that's, have. That's now, a downgrade. But it's a huge <laughs> downgrade. Um, but then they have uh at the three, they can play TJ Warren. They got uh Justin Holiday off the bench, and then they got Zach Levine at the two or Malcolm Brogdon. Um, They can play Aaron Holiday or uh, TJ McConnell at the one, or they can play big ball. They can kind of do a lot of different things still. Uh,
0: uh, Is Zach Levine an upgrade over Karis Levert is the other question. This season, yes. Yeah, I I think it is a slight upgrade. I think given how Karis
1: Levert has played and given how Zach Levine is playing this year, it's a significant upgrade. And I think that Zach Levine could really benefit from having good team defense and having a coach who knows how to coach good team defense. Like it's just the culture of the Pacers won't let them stop being good at defense. I really thought with Nate McMillan leaving, I was like, what is the heartbeat of this defense? And it just, it doesn't matter every year. The the Pacers are top 10 in defense. And Mm -hmm. so like, could Zach Levine get better at defense? I'm sure. On a Pacers team. But, like, does he need to? He's already a super efficient player. I mean, he has one of the highest true shooting percentages in the entire NBA right now. He is lighting the league on fire.
0: And Yeah. I I mean, and the other thing about Zach Levine is his availability. Like, aside from the Achilles, Zach Levine has been incredibly healthy his whole career. ACL, but yes. Oh, ACL. Sorry. And... Karis LeVert can't seem to put together a a full healthy season, unfortunately.
1: And I think we're both in agreement that DeMontis Sabonis is probably not going to be a ceiling raiser for the Pacers. And I think that Zach Levine could be, and I don't think that it's as much of a downgrade defensively as you would think. I don't know. I I think that Zach Levine is an upgrade over DeMontis Sabonis and Karis Levert is such a big question mark that, like, for me, Kevin Love right now is could be more it depends on how healthy Kevin Love is. We have no clue. Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's see. We have no clue. That you know, this this still feels like a second round exit to me. Yeah, it is. It I yep. didn't I told you I made him worse. I yep. was still well, I was I mean,
1: trying to argue it, but I made him worse.
0: As constituted, they might they're they're probably still a first round exit. I mean, it kind of depends on their seed. But I think it's going to be hard for them to win a playoff series, so I think you made them better for this season, <laughs> yeah for for this season
1: it it what uh, I learned was it made me interested in a Zach Levine trade for mm-hmm. the Pacers, but I but this is not the Zach Levine trade I want,
0: <laughs> yeah, there is one though that that is an interesting Zach Levine trade. okay, I also don't know if I made them I made them definitely. Probably better for this year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a three way trade where the uh, Sacramento Kings will receive Miles Turner, Edmund Sumner, and Jalen Le- Jalen Oh my god! The Raptors get Doug McDermott, Rashawn Holmes, Goga Bitadze. The Pacers' twenty twenty two top okay. eight protected pick. The Kings 2023 lottery protected pick and a Memphis second round pick in 2021. And the Pacers get Kyle Lowry, Nemanja Bielitsa, and Glenn Robinson. (laughs) So (laughs) what this does is, one, it gives the Pacers someone with some real playoff grit. You know, someone who has been tested in the playoffs, someone who's won it all, someone who's been to the playoffs every season for the past forever seasons, um, and like a real leader and 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 a culture setter, um, and someone who they could maybe resign next year too. Uh, you know, depending on how things go, and then getting uh, Nemanja Bjelica, save Nemanja Bjelica. I think that he, I mean, last year he shot like forty percent from three. I think a starting lineup of Lowry, Brogdon, Warren, Bielitza, and Sabonis, that's like a top ten offense easy, you know? Um and an incredible defense.
1: Uh well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, Bealitsa doesn't need to do anything for that for that team to be incredible defensively, just with Lowry and Turner
0: alone. No, Turner's gone.
1: Sabonis oh, is still
0: on. Oh, well,
1: retract everything I just said. Sorry. I was
0: Well, would this make more sense if I sent Sabonis to the Kings instead of Miles Turner? I th- What what do you it think? Would make, it would make
1: more sense for the Pacers, I would think. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, right now Sabonis is their all-star player. I mean, he made the all-star yeah. team last year. So yeah. he's got the value, I would think, and as we all know, the Celtics turned down Miles Turner for essentially nothing.
0: That's and, what I'm saying. So, like, I I think that I, I guess if the if the Pacers did trade Sabonis, he could end up at the on the Raptors, and the Raptors could not could not take draft picks from the Pacers. I, I I might have to redo it. But anyway, getting my main point is getting Kyle Lowry to the Pacers because I think that Kyle Lowry is good as shit, and he is playoff tested.
1: I also think that, yeah, we've said good things about Aaron Holiday and TJ McConnell in the past. Like Even today, we said good things about TJ McConnell as a backup point guard, but Mm -hmm. I think the reality is like if you have Kyle Lowry and uh, Malcolm Brogdon running your team and uh, they kind of uh, are, no matter what is going on in 48 minutes of basketball, you either have one of them on the court.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think that's probably better. I mean, it's not just probably better. That's 100% better.
0: Well, and then uh, we, and then also a, a, another issue that the Pacers have is their bench scoring is not very good. I think they, they're they like 28th in the league in bench scoring right now. And so adding another guard so that Karis LeVert can come off the bench and be your sixth man, like that just like – I mean, that's we're talking about regular season wins right there. And the, those regular season wins translate to a higher seed, which translates to a higher chance of moving on in the playoffs. So – you know, I, I think that that piece is important. Um, and I think I think that I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a trade to get some sort of bench scorer on the team um before it's all said and done. But so I mean,
1: Kersilvert is expected to make a full recovery, but I don't think I would expect him to play another game this season.
0: So Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, it just indefinitely kind of just makes me think that they are going to uh, live to tell another day, you know, like just play them next season. And uh, I don't know, but either way, I feel like like both of our trades were bad. I think it's impossible to make the Pacers better. They just got to live with what they got and hope for the best.
0: I think we had unrealistic expectations trying to get them to the finals, but I think that they can make a, a more marginal trade to get some more bench juice and and that could help them be a little bit more competitive this year.
1: Yeah. If they could somehow find a Robert Covington uh, who's, I mean, I know that that doesn't give them as much juice like, or that's more of a defensive move, but uh, it it at least gives them someone to like lock down three and D for them. Um, I don't know, but like that's what I was thinking in terms of they have a lot of contracts in that 10 to $12 million range right now. So they mm-hmm. can find somebody like that, maybe who's on a like a reasonable contract. Maybe it's just a JJ Redick. Maybe that's the trade to make. Yeah, but JJ that... Redick.
0: Lonzo Ball seems available. I mean, if if he joins the starting lineup and I mean, future thinking, right? If he joins the starting lineup and Levert still comes off your bench, that could be an option.
1: Yeah, I, I think I mean that would be an incredible defensive team with him and Brogdon and Turner. Oh my God. But yeah, I I anywhere in that 10 to 15 million dollar range I think is probably a, a good place for them to find some kind of upgrade. I think you're right about that.
0: Yeah, so Dylan, you won that exercise. Um How did I win? <laughs> because you got them two stars. I got them one star. <laughs> not that Kevin Love Kevin, is a star. Yeah, Kevin Love's not. Kevin Love's not a star. I was trying to I was trying to get Blake Griffin to the Pacers, but then I was like, what am I doing? i'm always trying to get blake griffin anywhere else (laughs) we don't need another blake griffin trade (laughs) troy liked my blake griffin trade though i couldn't believe it Um, thank you everybody for listening this has been the blake griffin nba show don't forget to follow us at blake griffin nba show uh on twitter no just kidding cnd nba show on twitter instagram send us a email at cnd nba we love you all shout out to tim kamatsu shout out to all my haters on instagram
1: all of our haters, all of I our think... haters,
0: Alex Russo is better than Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> he legitimately is, though. Did you watch him on Tuesday? He was so good. Andrew Wiggins is literally one of the worst starters of all time.
1: I just think that, like, he has, <laughs> and this is something that I was always thinking as a Wolves fan, like, of Andrew Wiggins when he was a Wolf. Like, he has no place on a winning basketball team. I don't know if he has, like, what is he going to do? Like shine the balls next year with clay Thompson playing. Like, I honestly don't know what his place is on a winning. Like, let's say they get out of the first round, like on a second round of the Western conference basketball team, because even next his game year, would have I'd to change.
0: There. His game yeah. would have to change so much. I mean, if if engagement is the issue and you struggle with with engagement when the ball is in your hands all the time, then that's not going to be fixed when the ball is not in your hands. You know, I I don't know. It just, it's so wacky to me. Someone on Instagram today commented, said, Andrew Wiggins is such an efficient scorer with a third efficient scorer. But when Clay is healthy again, we're going to be just as good as the Lakers.
1: How good is Andrew Wiggins going to look when he's getting like, No open looks a game because he's not getting any looks whatsoever. Like, Andrew Wiggins is a volume scorer. The less volume he gets, the worse he's going to look.
0: Okay, okay, but Dylan, he's number two in the league in isolation scoring. Did you know that? Did you actually know that, though?
1: Yeah, Anthony Edwards was number one in the league for the first quarter of the season. Yeah,
0: we're talking two. He he has two isolation possessions a game, (laughs) first of all. Against
1: benches, one hundred never he would never ever do that in starting minutes with Curry on the floor, yep.
0: Yeah, second of all, he's got a decent foul percentage on the isolations. It's like sixteen percent, but he's shooting sixty five percent from the free throw line. So <laughs> it's like wasting opportunities. It's just like he yeah, I, I I think that the the warriors fans have seen the Sheen that we saw. Are the first couple of years with Andrew Wiggins that got us real excited that that got us thinking that Zach Levine was the player to trade instead of Wiggins.
1: <laughs> I didn't uh, think that. I never thought that.
0: Uh, props to you, man. Props to you. I I've honestly, at the beginning of Levine's career, I was convinced. I was like, this guy is never going to be better than he's like a six man at best, which maybe isn't wrong That's still. Good. That's good though. Cause he's a six yeah, man yeah.
1: of the year. Like, that I like, yes, so, yes, 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 yes,
0: My good, I think friend, I, I said Jamal, Jamal Crawford was his like the peak. Great, that's awesome for 13th
1: pick overall. Yeah, no, that's it's, it's great, incredible. And you can have a good, long, well earning career doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I today on, on the Twitter, I said on the Twitter, I said that I think Malik Beasley's ceiling is as sixth man of the year of a championship team. Like, on a championship team, his ceiling is as a sixth man. And my good friend from a, uh, from childhood, from basically birth, replied and said that I was doing uh, Beasley dirty and that J-Mac was the sixth man of the year guy. Ye- and, <laughs> and of course, Timberwolves fans would think that. But I actually think that that's a really good outcome for Malik Beasley. I would gladly pay uh anyone $13 million to get that type of bench performance that we saw
0: from Malik Beasley tonight. I'm not sure that Malik is going to be able to create off the dribble well enough to win six man of the year because you, you like, that's just kind of, you, you just have to be able to, but I'm not, I'm not doubt. I'm not, you know, completely putting that off the table because he's 24 and it's not like his dribble is that terrible. He just doesn't have that like dynamic off the dribble scoring or like really the ability to create his own shot that well. But if he's shooting 40% from three and that's real, then yeah, I think that six men of the year is, is definitely on the table for him.
1: I mean, that is if Ryan Saunders would ever not start him, but I thought it looked really good tonight.
0: Well, it's, it's not going to be Ryan Saunders. who's not going to start him. It's going to be when he's on a different team. <laughs>
1: right, 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 right.
0: Yeah, a team that's right win. now. He he is the best shooting guard in Timberwolves history. So <laughs> he is he is not going to the bench. R.I.P. Anthony Peeler. All right. Thank you for listening. Again, D NBA show on Twitter and Instagram, CNDNBA at gmail.com. Send us an email. We love you all. Bye.